Welcome to an all new edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom, Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. And you can follow yours truly on Twitter and the Instagram at CKID. Once again, at CKID80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You can catch this podcast along with all the programming from War Media just by simply searching for War on Anchor. It kicks you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. And also, we're on iHeartRadio. Please, please, please download the iHeartRadio app. When you do, type in your search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube. You can see our lovely faces. And type in your search engine boxes on YouTube, War Media. Once again, that's W-A-R-R Media. You can catch this show, Second City Sports, along with all of the programming from We Are Regal Radio on YouTube. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and, and Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. And you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. As you guys know, this is a Chicago-based podcast, but we do talk about a lot of national sports. But we have to start local because one of our baseball teams are, are going through some changes. And I'm talking about the Chicago White Sox who reside on the south side. Of course, this news as of this recording broke up about an hour and a half ago. Manager Ricky Ritteria and the White Sox manager have both agreed to part ways, along with pitching coach Don Cooper. Top Candidates for the job, rumors have it, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, are A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora. Lakina, uh, before I uh, kick this question over to you, Ricky Renteria, in his four years of managing on the South Side, posted a record of 236 wins against 309 losses, including a postseason appearance in 2020, the first time the White Sox appeared in the playoff, playoff series since 2008. Lakina, I'll start with you. As I said on this program a couple weeks ago, if I was running the team, I would, pull, would have pulled this move. But realistically, White Sox in the past have known to be conservative. I thought that Ricky Renteria would get the X by this time next year, depending on the team's performance. But as I said before, the last few weeks, the White Sox are moving in a different direction. The time is now to win a World Series. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, the move that, that proceeded, uh, proceeded today, I think – I'm not going to say they're guaranteed a World Series title, but this is a, a move that championship organizations make, and I think they did that today by uh, parting ways with Rigga Renteria. I know this is PC, but they basically fired him. You can go to uh, the the lineups that he put out there uh, during during the season. You can go to the, the late season stretch after they officially clinched a playoff spot by giving away the division title back to the Twins. You can question the moves that he made during his playoff series, which they could have stolen the series from Oakley, but that didn't happen. Lakina, I'll start with you. Were you surprised by this move, or did you see this coming? Yeah, I was surprised. I, I figured that they would make this move, considering how everything ended, considering that this team is sort of like they're within maybe a couple of moves away from sort of being a real contender for next year and for the next few years. So I, I think you had to make this move if you were Rick Hahn. You know, they also got rid of Don Cooper, who had been with the organization for over 
almost, you know, over 20 years, about 23 years he was with the organization. So they're basically, you know, wiping the slate clean and starting from scratch. I mean, if you heard Hans um, Zoom presser, he said that, you know, he wants people there that could kind of have a more modern approach, sort of a younger mindset to sort of match the personalities of the team. So I'm not surprised they make this move. We'll talk in a little bit about what names going to be flowed around. There's not going to be, you know, Hans already kind of put out there, look, there's no Ozzy. Apparently, Ryan's have already called him directly and said that, no, this wouldn't be a good fit. So that's out. We'll talk about some of the other names that are going to be flowed around. But I think, look, I think this is a team that's ready to win, and I'm not surprised that they made this move. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, we spoke a little bit about it a week or so ago, and I'm surprised as you look. I, I didn't think it would happen like this. I mean, we knew it needed to happen, we knew it was going to happen, but I didn't think it would happen so quick. And I'm more surprised with the Luka part of it because he's been like, he's been there since they turned to USA in the field pretty much. I mean, he's been there, you know, so long situation. So, I'm thinking, okay, wipe this leg. But that does let me trying to go in a completely different direction by getting rid of him also. I I feel I feel bad for because in a sense he always thinks to get just there almost and over the hump, so to speak. And this is like kind of what happens to him on the tough side. You know, he's good enough to be the greatest bench coach ever. So to speak. And maybe that's a position that, you know, form with other organizations in the future. But at the same time, I'm not upset about it too much because I kind of figured it was going to happen. I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm not as upset about it at all, Lamont. As I said, we knew this move was coming, whether it was today or a year, a year from now, as this organization has put high expectations on winning the World Series. That's the ultimate goal. But you do have to give Ricky Renteria his credit of turning the culture around, just like what John Fox did with the Chicago Bears, and we see that now with Matt Nagy. We'll get to the Bears later. But Ricky Renteria did set the tone and set the culture for uh, how to play the game, uh, carry on with the attitude, attitude and swag, with guiding these young guys to to play baseball uh, in a certain way every day. We do have to give them give him credit for that. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think they definitely need to get – he definitely needs to get his due for sort of leading the team mm-hmm. to be, you know, where they are sort of like at the precipice of, you know, being right there to contend for the AL Central and for the AL as a whole. But I think this move had to be made because I just I just feel like he wasn't going to be the guy. And I feel bad for him because, again, this is the second time, you know, with both Chicago teams that – he sort of like kept everything clean before, you know, he get yanked aside. So, but look, you say, you, you thank you for his services. You thank for getting to this point, but you need like to go bigger. And, you know, I think that they had to do it. And I think, look, yeah, not a lot of, a lot of guys names out there right now. You got Sandy Alomar Jr. Who is a veteran who's been itchy for a chance to become a manager. He's been a bench coach for a long time, but also AJ Hintz. I think he's the favorite. I know that whole thing with the, that the Astros, yes, he was sort of complicit, but he wasn't involved. Look, they won with him, so that's nothing that's going to be floated around, too. So it's going to be interesting. I, I know Rick Hahn will have a plethora of guys to choose from. And you mentioned one of those names you mentioned is somebody 
they happen to love in Chicago. You know, they love Sandy and Lamar Jr. in Chicago. I mean, what we brought them here four times as a player, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, we, we kept Thank you, Kenny Williams, for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They already love him here. And, and I, I mean, Alex Cora, you know, A.J. Hintz, I mean, Alex Cora is another one that has ties to the White Sox. And, you know, they like keeping people that they kept around. And, you know, they real loyal, as we were speaking on last week. So one of them probably, I think, will end up with it. Hope I mean, I, I think, I mean, A.J. Hens, yeah, he, he may be the front runner, so to speak, because he did win, but a lot went into that winning. And so, uh, you know, it may be the Sandy Alomar, like uh, Lakina mentioned, but I, I mean, I would be rooting for him or Alex Cora because simply because they, I used to watch him play for the White Sox. So why not just keep it going? Bring somebody in, you know. I want to ask you guys this question. I'll start with you, Lakina. You mentioned A.J. Hinch. Of course, you, uh, people wanted to take the World Series away from him that they won in 2017, but baseball said no. We all know the, the, the whole story, the whole background behind that. I can understand where some people are coming from and, and saying that, yes, he is a good manager, but we don't want to be associated with all the stuff going on behind the scenes. That we want to clean slate. And the way that baseball's going right now, you're going with younger guys that can manage personalities. What do you say to those critics that say, yeah, A.J. Hinch is a good baseball man, but we don't want our organization associated with that cheating, scandalous nonsense? Well, like, like I just said a minute ago, I mean, he – I mean, yeah, you know, he was complicit. Yeah, he, you know, he admits that, look, I should have been more transparent. I should have, you know, saw what was going on. I, I mean, like, but like I said, they, they won and they were consistent when he was there. So um, um, that does not concern me. Look, look, you say the same thing about Alice Corrin. He was actually more involved in that cheating with the Red Sox than, <laughs> than Hitch was with you know, the Astros. And, and also... Yeah, and also, you know, it's like he's going to end up going back to Boston anyway. That's the rumor. So then he may not even be available anyway. But, I mean, look, it, it's, I know it's complicated, but I think, look, he showed contrition. He apologized. He took the, the, the year suspension. Okay, yeah, it was a short season, blah, blah, blah. But, look, he took the year suspension. I'm sure they're ready. I'm sure Rick Hahn will be giving him a call. I think he – I'm sure he knows that – there is going to be some resistance from some fans, you know, after what happened, but also too that, you know, he won. And I think that that's probably going to take precedence over kind of what happened on the side, maybe not necessarily completely, but the fact that, like I mm -hmm. said, he apologized for it. He showed contrition. I think, you know, we're a forgiving society. So people will forgive. You know, All right, Lamont, does AJ Hinch deserve a second chance, whether it's on the South side or somewhere else? Do we, or do you think, uh, he needs to stay away for at least another year. I mean, everybody deserves a second chance, man. I'm a second chance kid. I believe in second chance. I believe in third chances sometimes, depending on certain situations. But at the same time, I, I felt a little shaky about him when he was talking about, okay, yeah, he could have did this and he could have did that. You were the manager. So you do have the final say, even if somebody's doing something behind your back you have the power to just shut it off like that. You you in charge. So unless you was intimidated by the people that was doing this or you was just in love with the winning or however you want to look at it, you know, that's because of his apologies, like Lakina said, that's why you deserve some more chances. But at the same time, 
uh, I think, you know, I, I would, in, I mean, you mentioned Alex Cora. Yeah, he did it twice, so to speak, because he like Houston, Boston, you know. So, yeah, uh, mm, that's a tough one, man. I mean, I know he'll probably get a lot of backlash here. And I don't know if this the kind of backlash that the younger players need right now as they're trying to continue to grow. So maybe they need to go with somebody else other than them candidates and see what else is out there because they don't need more pressure being put on them than what's already going to be on them for being halfway good this year. So I, I think maybe that might not be a good move. You're listening to Second City Sports, along with Lakeena McGee and Lamont Scott. I'm Cindy Browns. We talk about the Chicago White Sox and manager Rick and Renteria parting ways. They also part ways with now former pitching coach Don Cooper. Lakeena, I want to go back to the Aussie factor. Of course, if you guys are watching on YouTube, I have my eyes again jersey hanging from behind me. Uh, of course, uh, I heard this and read the same things you did before we reported today that the, the organization of the White Sox did contact Oz again and said that he wouldn't be a perfect fit at this time. Of course, as I said before, the last couple of weeks, now there's a huge fan base that wants Ozzy back. Of course, he's been hanging around the team the last few years working for NBC Sports Chicago in the pre- and post-game uh, host, post-game analyst role. Uh, now that we know that he's out the way, uh, let's just say that, going back to what Lamont said, if the White Sox don't go in that A.J. Hinch route or that Alex Cora route. I know uh, Sandy Alomar's junior's name, as we've been talking about here for the last couple minutes, his name is, is being thrown around. But here's a couple other names. Now, this is just me talking. Once again, this is just me talking. Do you consider a guy, uh, a couple of guys that if they want to manage, they can manage, like, A.J. Przinski, a former White Sox player. He was on that 2005 team. He's calling games for Fox now. Or do you even consider like a Paul Konerko? To match, I know um, some people said that he may want to match one day. Or I don't think he's in the organization anymore. But do you consider a guy like Omar Vizquel, who was managing their double-A team a couple years ago? Look, the name, they're going to be interesting names, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I saw people, some, some people say maybe A.J. Przinsky, likes, you know, Lamont just said, and I, I mentioned Sandy Alomar Jr., who's been with his organization in some form. His dad played here, too. I, I mean, you know, Jim Tomey's name I heard somebody said, too. Some people say. So, I, I don't know. I don't know if Rick Hall wants to kind of take a chance and go with somebody who has no managerial, managerial experience, especially if you want – if you're a team that wants to win now or wants to at least be in contention to win now, I think you go with someone with a little more experience. I mean, look, it would be fun. <laughs> the South Box would be fun with, you know, with Przinsky and Tomey and, 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 the, and those guys too. Maybe, maybe not Kinerko necessarily, but uh, you know, Vizquel will probably have some good South Bites. But I think at this point, if you're Rick Hahn, I think you want someone who has more, more managerial experience, who has – been, has proven that he can win at that level. And so as, as great as those names sound and as interesting those names, if they get in sound, but I just don't see them going that particular route. I just don't. You know, um, heartfelt, them names are sounding good. You know, that we was all cheering for them guys, but you're going to mention people like that. You can throw a Harold Baines name in or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's throw Prince Thomas' name in there, too, for good measure. Let's throw his name out there. Going on former players and things of that nature. 
I think they need to reach for the best candidate that even if it's an older person, like I call Ryan, go north, call Sandberg, go, you know, make calls out of your circle and see what you can come up with and see about going in a direction like that. Don't don't just limit yourself to the people you know and the people they know. I think they should take a broad look at it when going into it and see what they can come up with because this is a this is a critical move. I mean, we got some talent. So we don't want to just turn the talent over to somebody, you know, that ain't never used talent before, so to speak. Not saying that they couldn't do the job or wouldn't do a good job, but we're, we're experiencing that on the north side right now with David Ross. So do we want to put somebody that's team connected right back into that spot on both sides of town? Or should we just deal with it on one side and deal with a more experienced person on the other side? So, I mean, it's going to be some interesting weeks. I think Laurent brings up a good point what it, from what we've, we've been hearing all morning long that A.J. Hinch is the front runner, if you want to believe those uh, those reports. Like you said, Lamont, each organization, uh, I know all organizations don't operate under the same umbrella, under the same mantra, but you have to leave uh, no, stone, no stone, stones unturned. It's hard to say five times fast, but mm -hmm. you have to leave uh, no, no stones unturned. And like you said, Lamar, you have to, sometimes you have to step outside your comfort zone. To You never know. The White Sox may find the candidate that says, they may have some, some uh, intangibles that we like that we may have seen in other candidates that are uh, in the previous weeks and, and days to come. We didn't hear or see that in this candidate, but we hear it in this candidate. So, like you said, they, they should step outside the quote-unquote family, as you as you said before. Um, is it that the answer? We don't know. But I think the White Sox will take their time and, and find the right candidate. I don't think they'll – like you said, this shouldn't be rushed. This is a critical moment in the franchise. You're saying to your fan base, as they have known for the last few years during this rebuild, this this is going to be the time to turn the quarter and become a, a serious playoff contender year after year ultimately leading, uh, leading to a World Series title. This is a critical move for the White Sox. They should consider all options. Yes. Yeah. Interesting yeah. where they go. Definitely. Uh, all right. Let's, let's turn our attention now to the NBA Finals. Game 6 was not an instant classic, but it ended with the World Championship for the Los Angeles Lakers for 2020 as they defeated the Miami Heat 106-93. LeBron James had another triple-double. He won the 2020 uh, NBA NBA Finals NBA Finals MVP, I should say. Anthony Davis gets his first championship ring. Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, gets his second championship ring, the second of his career, uh, the first time since 2008. He's a world champion. Uh, the Miami Heat on the other side, they gave it a good fight. Uh, many people, including yours truly, would say that they have a bright future ahead of them led by Pat Riley in the front office. Head coach Eric Spolstra will finally hopefully get the respect that he deserves uh, carrying this roster to this point. I'll start with you, Lamont. What were your impressions about uh, this year's uh, NBA Finals? And what were your impressions about the Lakers? It, it, it was an intro to an instant classic, <laughs> meaning we knew early in that game that we can turn the TV to the football game and watch a classic football game. You, Miami came out flat. They looked at flat. Jimmy Butler was probably still tired. 
I mean, the man gave us all, man. I mean, you know, congratulations to the Lakers and LeBron James. I don't think he should have won an MVP, but that's my opinion. I mean, if it wasn't for Anthony Davis, they wouldn't have won that title. I still stand by that. If you took LeBron off the court and kept Anthony on, they still would have been in the games. Whereas if LeBron was, you know, I, you know, that could be debated for years. I know the LeBron people are excited. They're happy. They can call him the greatest player ever now. So, I mean, you know, congratulations to the Lakers. But, you know, more I give more credit to what the Heat did and what the Heat tried. I think the Heat would have fought a little harder if they wouldn't have put Goran Dragic back out there. I think that they had got comfortable playing without him for them a couple of games, and they had a different attack and a different plan without him. But I understand why he's a team leader. He's the veteran. I understand why you put him back out there. But at the same time, I think they might have stood a better chance. It wouldn't have been such a blowout if they would have just stuck with what they had stuck with them last two games. They didn't hit their three zone. I think that was all. That was a problem. We saw in their losses that they, they look. They didn't hit their threes. And look, the Lakers went into a fast start and. Look, when they have a fast start, it's hard, it's hard, you know, they're hard uh, to beat when they have a fast start. So that's not, you know, I'm not really surprised by that. There were, you know, he were only 10 for 28 from three-pointer. I mean, you live by the three and you die by the three. And unfortunately, that's not, that was the case here. I'm not going to get into a whole tangent about LeBron versus MJ. I think there's, look, I have bigger things to do with my time. I'm not going to go into this long argument. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I mean, look, he he look, he's won three title. I mean, four titles for three different teams. That's, a, that's the one that he can have over Jordan. He's right there with Jordan. He's won at least three Finals MVPs. I, I mean, look, we saw what happened last year when he was banged up. They didn't even make the play. They didn't even make the playoffs. They weren't even a factor to make the playoffs since he wasn't there. And look, if LeBron wants to say that he feels disrespected, okay, fine, whatever. You know, that that's how look I'm sure Jordan would have done the same thing if we if you know he played during this during this time in the social media era. I just that that's just how he is. We saw we all saw the last the last dance. We know how his personality is is when he was playing. I think he would it would have been even worse, you know, if he had played during this this time with social media. But I mean, look, look, congrats to him. You know, congrats to AD. He finally gets his first ring. You know, Dwight Howard, who's played for 16 years, he finally gets his first ring. Um, JaVel McGee, this is his third ring. Danny Green, this is his third, third ring with, with a different team, too. So, I mean, look, you feel feel good for all those guys. I think this is, I think Frank Bullock, this is his first as a head coach. I know he's got, I think he's got one with as an assistant. I'm not sure, but, but look, you know, seven, number 17 for the Lakers as a franchise. You know, this was all for Kobe. You know, Vanessa, you know, posted a nice tribute as well so look congrats to the lakers with the heat but the heat are young they'll you know if they can maybe add a couple more pieces they can be right there to con- contend for next year whenever that starts so you know, look it was a, it was entertaining finals like and kudos to adam silver and the rest of the nba people for being able to pull this off in a bubble you know you had lou williams going for wings <laughs> that that was probably the only thing and you know, the, the couple other guys <laughs> out for hey, food or whatever I'm- but but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, kudos to him for being able to pull this off. And, look, congrats to everybody. This was a very entertaining series. And if, and if, if people want to find reasons for not watching it, look, that's on you. But you missed a good one. So I got I nothing else to tell you. I, I, I'm, glad we can, I'm glad we can move on to next season. 
I'm glad it's time for free agency in the draft. It's time to move on. I mean, we'll see. We'll see next year when everybody's at full strength. And, you know, we're doing different things. So congratulations to the Lakers. I'm glad they didn't win them in the Kobe jerseys. I can tell you that. I'm glad Miami did push them to that extra game because they ain't need to try to put the Kobe jerseys on to try to win it anyway. But that's just enough to me. I want to give the NBA kudos as well, along with the NHL, for uh, having a bubble because there's not as many. Yeah, uh, there there was not as uh, not as many players so you could pull that off. No positive test from either league because they're in a bubble. And uh, like Lakina, I think what she was trying to say was, and I'll, I'll back you up, Lakina, by by saying this here. I think this is some of the greatest playoffs uh, that we've ever seen, and uh, the the games were on. Um, all day, all nightly, especially in the first two rounds, because they were in a bubble. You, you saw that once things got back to normal, at least on the court, you saw the competition rise between everybody. You saw what a good team was. You saw what a not-so-good team was. We saw that the Los Angeles Clippers, they weren't ready for prime time yet. We saw the Lakers be consistent be consistent in terms of, of with their play as the play, their playoff run continued. Now, we also, on the other side, we saw Milwaukee. They weren't ready for prime time either. And we saw a ascending team like the Miami Heat, which few people gave a chance uh, before the COVID shutdown back in March. But as soon as they went into the bubble, uh, we saw them ascend to another level. We saw the Denver Nuggets as well, who beat the Clippers in the second round, ascend to another level as well. They also beat the Utah Jazz after trailing three games to three, the series three games to one, same with the Clippers series. So we saw a few teams uh, that people didn't think about go to another level. We saw a few players take the next step individually in their careers, like Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, who, who had a great playoff run a couple years ago as a rookie. So uh, the, the NBA is in good hands, uh, even though it's some of those teams not to play their games in front of their home fans and their their own home stadiums. You got to give the NBA a plus here. They really pulled this off. They should be committed for it. Yeah, I yeah. mean they they pulled it off. But uh, like I was saying, I'm gonna go to WNBA pulled theirs off too. So congratulations yes. them also. They got they got theirs done also. And I think what it came down to, I wouldn't say the Lakers found consistency. I would just say came down to the two best players on whatever team. And the Lakers had that over every other team. Because if you would have broke all those teams down and had two on two games with the two best players from each team, they had the two best players in the bubble. So going into the bubble, I mentioned to someone that whoever has the two best players in that bubble probably will come out of that bubble as the champion. And that's what it boiled down to. When, and yeah, and also, too, I know that some people will say, well, there should be an asterisk there because, you know, they play during a pandemic, they play in the bubble, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there were some players that decided not to play for various reasons, injuries, COVID, and other personal reasons, and that's fine. They were though within their right, but the fact that, you know, like Sid mentioned, I mean, unfortunately, Toronto lost early in the playoffs, also the Bucks, and you know, the Clippers show that they weren't ready. So it, it, it's sort of like, you know, let, let, let's let's give, you know, the NBA as a whole and WNBA as a whole props for being able to pull what they were to pull, especially in this climate. Look at MLS. I mean, 
they were able to pull it off too. But now that they're kind of outside doing their fall series, there were like three games that got kicked that they had to postpone because of you know positive uh, COVID testing. So, I, I mean, the fact that they were able to they'd be able to pull this off, you know, during these unprecedented times, that they should be commended for. And as far as next season, who knows? I mean, some people have said that maybe we before right before Christmas. Others have said maybe not till January, right after Christmas. So. I mean, everything's still kind of up in the air, so we'll see where they go from here. I mean, look, let's let's just you know give props to the Lakers and to the league for being able to do this, pull off this you know NBA summer league, fall league style you know tournaments, and you know, hey, I mean, it ended up working, so. You know, congrats to everybody involved and also to the workers, the hard workers, too. I know we saw what Russell Westbrook did to, you know, I think he had like a big tip to all the workers there. So they should be commended mm-hmm. to. Eight grand. Yeah. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGill and Lamont Scott. I am Sydney Brown. As we talk about the NBA finals, we say our congratulations to the 2020 NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers as they defeated the Heat in six games, four games to two. Sticking with next season, Lakina, I don't know if you remember, but we brought this conversation about a month ago, and I said between Christmas and Martin Luther King Day, which is the third Monday in January, both folks who had memory loss, uh, I think that's when next season starts. I know we had Mark Shinowski of uh, formerly NBC Sports Chicago now with uh, doing some stuff with Bears Barroom Podcast. He said they may uh, NBA might push the start of the season to February. We shall see what happens, but – I, I, I think that um, uh, Martin Luther King Day would be the perfect time to start because, you know, it's a new year and you're giving these players enough time off, the ones, definitely the ones that participate in this bubble, enough time to heal. And like you mentioned, Lamont, they can start out uh, 2021 fresh. But my question is, until it's official, will they play an 82-game season or will they not? As of right now, I'm saying they're not going to because – the Olympics that was supposed to happen this summer has been pushed back to 2021. And I'd be damned that, that if the NBA doesn't want their players participating in the Summer Olympics, we want that gold medal again. So with that being said, I cannot see the NBA playing 82 games and then uh, taking a pause uh, for the Olympics. I don't see that happening. I don't know if you guys watched the NBA countdown pregame show on last Friday. This past Friday, before Game 5, Adam Silver was being interviewed by Rachel Nichols, and she asked him, uh, what about the Olympics where you take a pause, assuming that you're going to play an 82-game season? Uh, are you going to take a pause for the Olympics? He said no. But, of course, they're early in this process. And of course, they're going to work with the NHL because the NHL said that they're, they're looking for their target date is January 1st of 2021 to start next season. And so – the NBA and the NHL will work together because many of the of the stadiums that uh, that the NBA teams play in, the NHL franchises in that city play in as well, just like here in Chicago with the Blackhawks and the Bulls, Los Angeles with the Lakers, Clippers, and of course the hockey team, the LA Kings, New York City with the Knicks and the New York Rangers. So the NHL and the NBA will have to work together. I think they will start around the same time. I just find it hard to believe as of right now that the NBA will play a full 82 game schedule. Without being involved in the labels, I just don't see that happening. But then, then again, we learn something new every day. Yeah, I don't see them playing a full 82. I think they'll probably maybe do 55, 60, so they could be done. If they do start in mid-January during around Martin Luther King Day, 
they'll probably start there. They'll do, maybe they'll do the all-star game maybe halfway through. Maybe they don't. But I don't see them trying to ram through a season then because knowing that a lot of their guys are going to want to play for the Olympics, not just for here in the U.S., but for there was the other respective home countries, too. So <laughs> I can't see them doing a full 82. I think they'll probably they'll probably agree on maybe a 55 to 60 games and that way they'll be done by June. And then they can do their, you know, their workouts or whatnot, whoever makes the team. So I think that'll probably be the, you know, the way to go that they'll probably do. Yeah, no, I was saying I don't I don't think I don't think they'll play a, a whole season either. I think it's gonna be like Lakina said between fifty five and sixty games, which is enough. That's enough to crown the champ. A solid fifty, a solid fifty is good. A solid fifty is enough to crown the champion and going on with the playoffs. And like Lakina said also, a lot of we have so many foreign players now in the NBA that want to go represent their country. And I think they have that rule also. If your parents are from a country, you can play for that country. So, yeah, I think a lot of players from the NBA want to play because that gives them a chance to be more of a leader on certain teams. I mean, if you look at it, that's why we got a contract on our Chicago Bulls. If you think back to when the uh, last time they had something big like that and Feliciano did so well for his country that the Bulls gave him about $30 million. So... That was because of what he did in them games. So a lot of a lot of people looked at Feliciano and said, I can be the next him. I can show up over here and then cash in over here. So I think, yeah, a lot of people want to go play. Yeah, they can they can finish in you know, they can think- finish in June at around the first second week in June and then they'll like I said, they'll give them time to kind of like do, you know, workouts and they'll have the teams together. And like you said, Lamont, a lot of these guys are going to want to play for their home countries too. So, yeah, like they, 55, 60, I would be, don't be surprised if that's the way they decide to go. Yeah. And here's the thing real quick. I just find it hard to believe that the NBA do not want their players to participate in the Summer Olympics. Of course, the Summer Olympics take place in late July, early August. So, uh, like like you guys mentioned, if it's a 55-65 game season in between there, they could be finished by uh, mid-June at the latest, and they'll go, give those guys enough time, at least a month, to train and, and, and participate in the Olympics. Now, before we uh, – in this segment, of course, we had uh, another death over the weekend as Baseball Hall of Famer Joe Morgan, who passed away at the age of 77, he was a 10-time All-Star, two-time National League MVP, a two-time World Series champion, including the 1975 World Series team with the Cincinnati Reds with the big red machine. Of course, he served as an analyst for Sunday Night Baseball with ESPN for the past 21 years with uh, John Miller, who is currently still the TV announcer for the San Francisco Giants. And Joe Morgan also did games for the Baseball Network slash NBC with Bob Costas and Bob Uecker uh, during the mid to late 90s there. I want to get your thoughts, Lakina, what uh, – even though me and you are, are – we're not old enough to have seen Joe Morgan play. We saw him on the highlight tapes. We saw documentaries about him. We, we've known him as a broadcaster. I wanted to get your thoughts about the passing of Joe Morgan. It's been a tough uh, – this has been a tough year for baseball fans in general. I mean, look, I remember Joe Morgan when he was doing TV for Sunday Night Baseball for many years, you know, him and John Miller – He's like you said, so he's still doing the, the Giants, the you know, TV league TV guy for the San Francisco Giants. 
I mean, that's the one thing I remember him for. And, you know, he was part of that big red machine. They won a couple of titles back in the 70s. Like I said, I mean, you know, him, Al Cayley, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Whitey Ford just this past Friday. I mean, there have been a lot of deaths for, you know, it's, it's been a tough year for baseball fans. And I think we should all keep all of them and their families and their thoughts and prayers and their former colleagues in some cases. And, you know, remember what they meant to the game and all of them, some of them were trailblazers. I mean, you know, Bob Gibson was part of, you know, those St. Louis Cardinals teams, also Lou Brock too, back in the sixties. So Tom Seaver, of course, with the Mets and among other things. So I, I think Waddy Ford, of course, with the Yankees. So it, it's definitely been a tough, tough year for baseball fans. And I think let's just keep all the players and their thoughts and prayers and remember them for what they did for the game. Well, well, for me, I, I was, you know, blessed to like see Joe, Joe, a lot of Joe Morgan. I, I mean, he had him and Dave Concepcion was serious in Cincinnati. I was a big Dave Concepcion fan, and that's why when Joe Morgan had got shipped to the Giants, I was a little upset and confused. I was like, well, how are you going to break up Concepcion and Morgan? So, you know, I was a fan of Joe Morgan and then the little elbow thing thing that he used to do. I was like, used to try that. I remember trying that in Little League, like, can I do my elbow like that to see, can I hit better? So, I mean, Joe Morgan, and then when he moved to the TV booth, that was all the more better because I felt like I had a connection to the booth because I had followed him for so long. So, I mean, he definitely, you know, will be missed. I miss his little insight. I don't think he get enough credit when they mention second baseman and stuff all the time. They tend bring his name up instead of throw his name out there early in them conversations. But, you know, definitely rest in peace, Joe Morgan. He'll be missed by the Giants organization and the Reds organization. And I think TB going to miss him a little bit too. Uh, just to wrap up uh, this segment real quick, Lamont, you brought up the, uh, the, a good point about uh, his, the comparison with, uh, with him being a, a, perhaps the greatest second baseman ever. I know – uh, he didn't mention Ryan Sandberg who played for the Cubs. He's a Hall of Famer as well. Uh, he didn't mention Ryan Sam Ryan Sandberg's name for a long time during the TV broadcast whenever they did Cup games for ESPN. And so I think you bring up an interesting point. I don't want to exploit it too much here, but you brought up an interesting point. Uh, he was kind of, to many people, was kind of salty, as we we say in the community, about him being salty, be uh, him um, being um, – ignored as far as being one of the greatest, if not the greatest second baseman of all time. People put Ryan Sandberg ahead of him and some other guys as well. I'm glad you brought up that point. Any one of you two uh, you can speak on it if you wish. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, I mean, he did seem like he had a great for a while, so to speak, because so, he did get overlooked a lot. I mean, and mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's to be expected in certain areas in certain times. I mean, as Sandberg played after him, so to speak, you know what I mean? And it was more television mm -hmm. television for Sandberg. You know, the Cubs were on WGN. Everybody get WGN. So I believe that's why Ryan Sandberg was pushed to the forefront in front of him a little more because of the WGN factor. And I think playing in Chicago as opposed to San Francisco, I think if he would have moved to the Yankees after he left Cincinnati or something like that, he probably would be mentioned more. So I think, you know, the, the press and things of that nature had a lot to do with it also. But uh, either way, I mean, he earned that Hall of Fame. He, you know what I'm saying? He was the greatest. So, you know, he, he will know it. Let him rest in peace. And 
you know, that's just another player lost off of that Cincinnati team. I mean, that Cincinnati team was rough. That Cincinnati team had some people. They was good. Makina. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I, I think, look, he, you know, I mean, he was a pioneer. And I, and I think that those, those Reds teams, that they don't get more of their due than they should. And... And look, like I said before, I, I, like I said, I remember more him doing TV with, with John Miller for many years. It was it was sad that they broke that that you know that duo up, but you know we have the memories, and you know there were great games. And like I said, these these are you know these are leches that will be missed by baseball fans, both young and old. All right, we had to take a pause for the cause, but when we return, we'll break down Week Five of the National Football League. We'll give you our studs and duds and take a look at the week that was in college football and a whole lot more. You're listening to Second City Sports. Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can catch this podcast along with our other programming from War Media. Just search for War on Anchor. We kiss you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you, excuse me, download your podcast. Make sure you search for War on Anchor. We are also on the iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app. When you do, please type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. We are also on YouTube. You can see our lovely faces uh, do our thing. Just type in your search engine box on YouTube, War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. And you can catch our program live. Not live, but you can see us do our thing in person. So <laughs> just listen, you can watch us along as well. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. And you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. All right, guys, let's kick off segment number two with the National Football League. No, our Chicago Bears did not play. They took care of the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday, but there's still a lot to talk about as we uh, looked at uh, this past Sunday's games. Uh, I want to uh, go to you first, Lakina. There were some surprises. There was a return. There was a devastating injury. We had the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only two unbeaten teams left remaining in the National Football League. Um, before we give our studs and duds, I'll start with you, Lakina. What, well, what did you learn about yes, watching yesterday's action? Oh, boy. That um, – that that maybe that Seattle, I think Seattle, they looked really impressive. Um, most of we'll do our studs as a couple of minutes, like you said, but uh, mm -hmm. I thought Seattle looked really good. Um, Cleveland, maybe they're for real. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, my Miami. I mean, I don't know. Was, I think, I think somebody didn't somebody call the Miami San Fran upset. I, I forgot who it was, but uh, of course your boy did. Of course, yeah, give me right, my props. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right you know they look. You know, they look, I mean San Fran. Ooh, what the heck happened with them? And also, you know, of course that's Dak's um, ankle injury, compound fracture in his ankle, a dislocated ankle. I think like what they're saying, what six to eight months. They're saying that he could be gone. <laughs> 
So that's not a good issue. But the good news is if you are a Cowboys fan, you got somebody like Annie Dalton, who is a veteran, who has started for many years, you know, went back home. And look, that NFC West is still there for the taking. So they can, they can still win it. So you got a pretty formidable – and all, but also they got injuries in other places too. So that's another thing to look out for. Um, and look, we'll get to it our, more on our studs and does. But, uh, yeah, that – and also, you know, look, the Rams looked really good. Um, Aaron Donald, I think he's not being talked about enough as perhaps maybe an MVP candidate too because of what Russell Wilson's done. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, four sacks yesterday. So we'll, we'll talk more about that when you do our studs and does in a minute. But those are my, my uh, takeaways. Uh, my overall immediate takeaways would be uh, really just the, the, the intensity level of the football, it, it's it's picking up some. So I mean, I was glad to see that, and um, it was a few, it was a couple of good games. I was a little upset at the network for showing one of the games, but I, I couldn't understand why we got that Dallas New York game up here instead of the Cleveland Indianapolis game. So I had to find other ways to watch. You that should have watched it like I did via your computer. I, <laughs> I had to pull out. I had to pull out the computer to watch it. But it was like, okay, okay, yeah, we close to Indianapolis than we is the Dallas or New York. So, but other than that, yeah, I mean, like you said, we're getting to it more with the studs and duds. But overall, I mean, I well, I didn't, I didn't miss the Bears. I just looked at it as if we primetime team now, we big time. And like Lakina say, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald, but he ought to more reason why Khalil Mack must be Khalil Mack come Sunday if. They want to win Sunday. Uh, we'll get to the Bears and Panthers preview during our next podcast coming up on the Second City Sports Weekend Edition in our next episode. But watching yesterday's action, as I said, I believe last week or a couple weeks ago, the Kansas City Chiefs are a team to be reckoned with. They weren't going to go undefeated. The Raiders showed what they were made of yesterday. They beat the Chiefs uh, um, handily even though the, don't let that final score fool you. The Kansas City still are going to be a, a good team, but that was just a hiccup. Congrats to Alex Smith, who returned to action, almost missing two full years. I saw that actually live via my computer. Uh, it was a great moment. They had his wife and his three children in the stands cheering for him. That was a great moment. If you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're sick of something. Hmm. But uh, as Lakina also mentioned, the Dak Prescott injury, I do not wish that on anybody. Uh, uh, football, as we all know, is a brutal game. Uh, it, it happens uh, every once in a while. So good luck to his recovery. He's going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, watching that injury live, it just um, it just makes you turn your head. But as, as I said before, uh, injuries, brutal injuries like that happen. That's uh, the kind of risk that you take playing this game of football, of course. Uh, people want to focus in on his future because he's playing on a, a one-year uh, tender franchise tag. He's looking for a long, long-term deal. Uh, he may have to play under a tag again. Who knows? But Dallas should have signed him long-term, long time ago. And yeah. I, I, it's going to be a big mistake if they don't do it within the next year or so. Man, Steve, I think him not signing it may have cost him, man. I mean – by them not signing that contract before they started, 
it may cost them. I mean, we've seen what teams will do with their franchise tag. Look at Kirk Cousins in Washington. They will sit you two years. Man, they're going to sit you on there as long as they can. And if they was unsure about giving him the money before this season started, you know they're going to be unsure about giving him the money going into next season because we don't even know if you're coming back. So I think him not signing it, I mean, that, that that's actually my biggest dud of the week totally was him getting hurt because him not having that contract is it could be bad for him. I'm praying it's not, but that could be real bad for him, man. Okay, since we're officially doing studs and does, I guess let's do studs first, <laughs> gentlemen. Um, Alex Smith, I mean, I know it was a losing cause, but the fact that he was able to come back by, you know, almost having his leg amputated, basically. Uh, if you saw his wife, Elizabeth, and their three kids in the stands, I mean, she was starting to kind of freak out, especially when Aaron Donald did what Aaron Donald usually does, you know, chase guys around, and you can tell he doesn't <laughs> Hook them and drop them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some, a couple of things where you sort of like, oh, okay, what's going on here? But, uh, you know, look, he had – he had four sacks. I mean, Troy, Troy Reader, who's I think is our second-year guy, not getting as much attention. He had three of those sacks. I mean, they had like eight sacks total. So, yeah, the Rams looked good. And, look, Jared Goff, I mean, he had an interception, but, you know, he was able to bounce back from that. So, uh, look, the Rams look really good so far. I have to say I think they're the best team in the NFC West. I'm, I'm just saying just because they got a, a bigger – a better. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll get your bell in a second, Lamont. But uh, I feel like <laughs> Seattle, Seattle has Seattle, Seattle's front seven. We saw with Minnesota last night. It, it, it's you can tell that they missed Jamal Adams in that front seven. So I think that's going to be a problem for them. We'll see how long he's gone. Um, also, Miami. I mean, look, Theo. Yes, yes, Sid. You called the upset. Fine. <laughs> Fitzpatrick. <Hey>! Fitzpatrick. <laughs> you know, three test, three touchdown passes. I mean, you know, they 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 made a couple of defensive stops as well. San Francisco. They need some of their guys back. I mean, they set Garoppolo. I think they did it for his own like sanity. I would say, but uh, I mean, you know, Miami looked really good. I don't know. They'll they might be right there competing for the playoff spot. We'll see. Um. The Raiders, I mean, three touchdowns for Derek Carr. You know, Josh Jacobs had two rushing touchdowns. Like you said, Sid, I mean, it was pretty much over over with, you know, maybe through the fourth quarter. That was sort of a kind of a garbage touchdown that they scored late. Arizona, mm-hmm. an, an Arizona, another good one. I mean, you look, you play the Jets to sort of get right the wrong, if you will. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, DeAndre Hopkins had a touchdown catch. I mean, you know, Kyler Murray had a touchdown pass and a touchdown, a uh, rushing touchdown. We'll see with the Chandler Jones injury. That's a little concerning. But, you know, look, if you str- if you struggle for the last couple of weeks, you know, something like playing the, playing the Jets to sort of, you know, get things right and kind of, you know, heal your pain a little bit for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, a couple of, a couple of, you know, not those are my sort of my main, like, main studs. Who's next? Um. My main studs, uh, uh, man, John Gruden and the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, he had a plan, but that plan was mainly driven by that Josh Jacobs guy. That Josh Jacobs guy is a beast. I mean, he's a he's serious. He's he's a beast. So he he was definitely uh, two wide receivers. Uh, Ch- Claypool, uh, Chad or Chaz? How, how do you? Oh, Chase Claypool. Chase. Chase. His name's Chase. Yes. 
I think he emerging like he has going to help Pittsburgh become even more dominant than what they've already been, even though they're undefeated. But I think giving Juju some help and helping, I think, I think that's going to make some dividends. And the other gentleman for Philadelphia that played on the other side of him during that game, that has a, uh, his last name is pretty hard to pronounce also. But that gentleman had a great game also. And another one, like you say, seeing Alex Smith on the field take a tackle, mm-hmm. that was definitely that was definitely studish. <laughs> I mean, it was everybody was nervous that he couldn't, and you know that was that was a pretty good thing. And I think uh, just a- Andy Dalton getting some credit for stepping in under all of those circumstances and taking Dallas. And I think Dallas gonna have a different type of attack now because of what has happened, but I don't think they're going to fall off as much, and they may actually win a couple of more games because they're going to have a different type of offense going forward. And last but not least on the studs, Russell Wilson, man. I mean, look what he does. Look how he does it. Look at the different ways that he does it. I mean, if he's not your MVP candidate right now, like Lakina said, Aaron Donald, yes, he can have a defensive one. But Russell Wilson should be winning it right now. My studs for this week's games, or I'll piggyback off of you, LeBron, and you've been on him since week two, and that's Russell Wilson. Uh, he had another great game. Uh, that Seattle offense exploded in the second half, including the game-winning touchdown, touchdown pass. Uh, that, that was amazing. I know Chris Collins, if you watched the broadcast last night, he was very excited, and rightfully so. Seattle, even though they are 5 know their defense, even though they missed Jamal Adams last night, did you know that their defense has given up over 400 yards to every opponent so far this season, including last mm-hmm. night? We told you before the season started, this is not the Legion of Boom. I didn't think it was going to be this bad, but right so far they've gotten away with it only because of Russell Wilson. My number two stud, Teddy Bridgewater, he had a great game as Carolina defeated the Atlanta Falcons, and shout out to Lakina who picked uh, the Carolina Panthers uh, in our last episode um, over the weekend. Uh, they, they sent Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, the GM of the Atlanta Falcons, home with a pink slip and some link cards. So Bye-bye. that's what happened right there. Bye-bye. Yep. <laughs> so shout out to T- Teddy Bridgewater for Carolina. The Bears may have a problem with him next Sunday. Look, 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 we said, we said on Friday that people are already counting that the, that next week's game against Carolina as a win. Uh, oh, no. Not so fast. Exactly. Not so fast, kids. All right, does, uh, Sid. And also, said, too, real quick, Lakina, oh, I'll also give my third stud to the Miami Dolphins. They took it to the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. One more again, as the kids would say, I'll. Double, double pat on my back. I told you people that Miami was going to do it. Now, did I expect it to destroy him like that? No. But shout out to Brian Flores, uh, the head coach of the Dolphins, and that whole coaching staff. Uh, this team, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they're playing a heck of a lot better this year than they did last year. They were trying to figure things out. So uh, the Dolphins, they may not, I, I say next year could be their year to be a playoff team, but they're going to scare some people this year. I told people last week that the defense is not that bad. They, they brought the pain to the 49ers yesterday. 
Look, our buddy Spiro Dio said when we talked to him a couple of months back, uh, said that you know, he did a couple of their game, games last year. Mm-hmm. I think a, like a couple, both of them, I think they won. So, look, that that Miami team is pretty good, you got to say. And, look, Fitz, Fitzpatrick say, look, I still got it. Hmm. All right, uh, a dud. And this pains me because I respect this guy, but this was a bad – he made a bad move last night, Mike Zimmer. Look, I – I know there was no crowd there. I get it. I know people are defending the decision to go for it on fourth down, but take the points. Take the points. <laughs> take the points. I know they had 200 yards rushing, but even still, you take the points and make Russell Wilson, you know, work for it. And look, they didn't get it. They only needed a foot. So I don't know what was the plan there. I think Madison, who actually did a good job, you know, pitching in for Dalvin Cook, who was backed up with a groin injury. But if he had kind of moved left instead of going right, they only needed like a foot. Maybe that, yeah. maybe that would have ended right there. But even still, I mean, you take the points. Make Russell Wilson work for it. <laughs> um, Real quickly, Ken, before you continue, yes. uh, I know Minnesota has Atlanta at home this coming Sunday. But if Mike Zimmer and crew, uh, if they don't get it done, he may be the third coach to get his pink slipping link card. I'm just saying. No, Patricia. I doubt it too. Yeah, I, doubt, I think they just, signed, they just signed a new contract too, so that's not happening. Patricia, that, that's going to be headed Detroit's way probably to see it. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about that on Friday. But, uh, yeah, uh, Minnesota's my, my first dud. Uh, San Francisco, my second dud. I mean, what the heck's going on? I know you guys are banged up, but come on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You, Come on, 350 rushing yards? I know your <laughs> up right now, but come on. receiving yards, I mean, I mean, I know your defense is banged up right now, but I mean, come on, you know, Garoppolo, you had the sits, and then everything else started to go going haywire. So, San Francisco needs to figure it out. And I guess the Super Bowl hangover is, you know, coming up faster yeah. for them. Um, my next dud is Washington. I guess Dwayne Haskins wasn't the problem. Just saying. Uh, you know, Kyle Allen got banged up. And, you know, of course, Alex Smith, you know, great story, of course. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the problem is in Washington. But we'll see if they ride it. I mean, the NFC East is still there for the taking. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and uh, uh, also, you know, my bonus still goes to Houston for getting their first win. You know, Romeo Cornell, if I could not watch him try to dance, I think that would be <laughs> that would be that'd be okay with me. Um Deshaun Watson had two interceptions, but you know what they did just enough to win it. So a bonus stud for me is the Houston are the Houston Texans. Okay. So oh we I, we was going studs still, right? No, we're good. Studs. That's what I said. You were switching the duds because I was thinking with your uh, Minnesota thing, the coach, what was he thinking? I mean, like you said, why wouldn't you make the MVP, quote, unquote, right now, work as hard as he needs to work to try to get there? And another one would be the Indianapolis coach. Good call. I, I don't know I th- what happened there. What was what? I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't I don't know what happened. I'm not ready to uh say that uh o- Odell Beckham is back because of that catch. Uh, I mean I'm not you know that impressed with that. So they get one, and another one who I had who did I just say? Um, not the Dak thing. The um 
the Dak thing. Yeah, the Dak thing just stay on my mind because of the contract situation, man. I know I said I wasn't going to talk about it too much, but I really think him not getting that contract, you know, it's just bad. Like, that's just a black cloud because I feel now he's going to have an even harder time getting it. I don't think he's going to get it. So that, that, that one situation, like, just took all of my Sunday out of it because he doesn't have everything secure going forward, and I think it's going to be hard. And we've seen players not come all the way back from stuff like that, like RG3, so to speak, who's sitting in Baltimore. Maybe he can still go, but we will never get to know because technically he's never really had that second chance to get it. So, yeah, that, that right there, that, that, that's a big dud. Like, that's the biggest dud. My three duds from yesterday was uh, from the Atlanta-Carolina game, which I watched in its entirety via my computer. Um, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons were trailing Carolina 2013, the fourth quarter. Atlanta had two offensive drives to start the fourth quarter down in deep in the red zone. On the first series, Matt Ryan missed Hayden Hurst, the tight end that picked up from Baltimore in the offseason. And so they had to settle for a field goal to cut it from 20 to 10 to 2013. The second time the Atlanta got the ball back in the fourth quarter, Matt Ryan threw a dumb interception to uh, Gage, their wide receiver. It was intended for Gage, but Matt Ryan threw an interception. Of course, Carolina milked out the clock and uh, went out of Atlanta with a 10-point win, 23-13. So Matt Ryan, the Atlanta Falcons on my first duds. My second dud is the New York football Giants. I know I picked Dallas to win the game yesterday, but as you mentioned, Lamont, the Dak Prescott injury, we know that it happens, but you really cannot predict injuries. And the Giants, uh, let's talk about that fake field goal that they had toward the end of that first half. If it wasn't for that dumb penalty, the play would have been a difference in the game with them pulling off the upset, you know, given what happened to Dak Prescott later on in that game. So the New York Giants as a whole will get my second dud. My third dud is going back to that Cleveland-Indianapolis game from yesterday, which I did watch via my computer. Phillip Rivers throwing that pick six. If it wasn't for that pick six, that was, that, it turned out to be the difference in the game. I know Indianapolis got back in the game in that second half with that kickoff return for a touchdown, but if it wasn't for that pick six, maybe they would have walked out of there with the win, but it just wasn't meant to be. Phillip Rivers, uh, he still can play, but this is what happens. Uh, a pick six kicks turn it around for you. That's what happened to the Colts at the Jaguars on opening day, and that's what happened to them yesterday at Cleveland. Yeah, it, yeah. That when that happened, I was like, okay, well, they could have put they could have put the game away there, and and then unfortunately yeah. it ended up you know getting the Browns back in it, and yeah, we all saw what happened after that. So yeah, that's why the Colts are my bonus dud. All right, I got a bonus one, uh, 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 Jimmy G. I mean, I think he had more, almost as many interceptions as completions or something like that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with his head it, 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 and what's going to happen. Like, it, is, he, is he gone? You know, what's going on with San Francisco up there? Like, that could get dangerous. I don't. That's more than Super Bowl hangover or whatever you want to call it. That's more than that. Something going on up there. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and our preview, unfortunately, because of, you know, positive tests, the second game that was supposed to have, supposed to have commenced on Monday night, about in a couple of hours from now, that's been canceled. So now we only have one Monday night, 
Monday Nighter, we got the Chargers and the Saints. Um, unfortunately, they will be without Michael Thomas because apparently he punched somebody out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, where do you see this game, gentlemen? Uh, and, 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 and I think, I think, I mean, you know, y'all know, I, y'all seem, it seems like I never go against the Saints. That's not true. But I think Drew Brees gonna get a chance to show in a national spotlight that you can't just count him out because he's older, and that he still got some stuff in the tank even without his favorite receiver, who did not show leadership of any sorts after being gone. So that's a whole nother conversation right there. So I think Drew Brees gonna show you that. The Saints are more than one person, which is Michael Thomas, and I think they're going to win, man. As I picked on our our last episode over the weekend, I have the Saints winning tonight. Uh, If it wasn't for the injuries to Austin Eckler, the running back for the Chargers, and injuries on their defensive unit, maybe I would have picked the Chargers in an upset, but let's be realistic here. The Saints still have a better roster on paper compared to what the Chargers have right now. I think Justin Herbert will have some success, but – not as much as people may think. With, with that being said, I, I picked the Saints, and I'm sick with them. And while you're on the subject of the Chargers, Sid, don't, what, am I the only one that find that whole Justin Herbert, the start all of a sudden thing funny? I mean, No, you're not the only one, especially after what happened to Tyrod Taylor. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when it happened um, the game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yeah. the, the, t- uh, the team doctors punch, punch, uh, accidentally punctured his lung, and he hasn't played. Yeah, and he hasn't played since yet. You're not the only one. Yeah, okay, because I, I feel like I'm on an island because I was looking around to see what did other people thinking. Like I was thinking, because mm-hmm. you accidentally make a mistake, and now the person never gets a chance. Come on, man. <laughs> that that seem right. Yeah. Now, real quick, I, I did. I was listening to some. Um, Los Angeles sports radio uh, regarding that situation. I know Rodney P, former NFL quarterback, he hosted an afternoon show on one of those radio stations out there. And he said that uh, if Tyrod Taylor had any incentives in his contract to play a certain amount of games, a certain amount of snaps, uh, which some players have stipulations in their contracts, I guarantee you that NFLPA is looking into it right now as we speak. If he doesn't meet those standards because of what happened a few weeks ago, uh, the Chargers, whoever did that, and the Chargers as an organization could be sued. If you're the NFL, you definitely do not want that mess on your hands. Yeah, I mean, and if they wanted to just go with the rookie quarterback, just go with them. Just, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't do it that way. So I'm hoping it stay clean. I hope it don't turn out to be muddy waters. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it does look a little suspicious, but. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Look, look, we'll, we'll, it'll all come out though. And again, it always does. Um, the second, uh, we got Tuesday night out here. You got Buffalo and Tennessee. I'll, I'll go ahead and say, look, I said Buffalo because they've had a full week of practice. Tennessee has not had a full week of practice, and they were just now let, but were able to get back into their facilities like on what on Thursday or Friday. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills win this pretty easily i think they'll be able to slow down derrick henry and i'm look that offense has been sort of meh. i mean even though yes i know they're undefeated but still i mean it's sort of yeah so i'm gonna i think the bills don't be surprised the bills win this handily yeah i I'm, i think i did pick buffalo and i'm gonna continue to pick buffalo 
I mean, Tennessee, I don't think they'll be able to run the ball as much. And I think uh, uh, Devin Singletary will have something to say about that uh, clock management situation when it comes to Buffalo also. He he will be he will be running the ball and keeping that ball out of Mr. Henry's hand on the other side of the field. So I mean I think that would be a big part of it. And then you know, Allen is showing that he a real quarterback. He want to be on his name mentioned with the big people. So well, has a big, I'm, I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, well, Josh Allen has a big time wide receiver to go with him now. So if they continue to to progress throughout the season, his name will be mentioned up there. Uh, the 2020 Tennessee Titans, their theme is as stupid is as stupid does. Makita <laughs> took all the analysis right out of my mouth. I took Buffalo on Friday. I'm still sticking with them to, uh, for Tuesday. So I'm going with the Bills. They're the better team. All right. Should be – okay, should be a fun one there. Got a little Tuesday of football action. Um, real quick, let's talk about the LCS. And I did not know this. I did not know that the ALCS started last night. Uh, the Rays – the Rays beat the Astros um, in game one of the ALCS. The NLCS starts tonight, so where do you guys see those series? Man, um, I think, like we spoke on the other day, I think Mookie Betts is what the Dodgers needed. Somebody that has been to the mountaintop that can carry a lot of those younger Dodgers who've been getting close to the mountaintop but can't get over the top for so long. Over the top, I think the Mookie Betts show continue. And although Atlanta has a formidable lineup and a, a very nice lineup and a couple mm-hmm. of very exciting players, but I think the Mookie Betts experience will come to play in these playoffs and he's going to do what he got to do to get that title in LA. And as far as last night's game, I'm, I'm rooting for Tampa Bay all the way. Nah, I mean, just all the way. I'm all in on them until they get to the I had to piggyback off of you, Lamont. Of course, when we recorded uh, our last podcast on Friday afternoon, they were preparing for a game five against the Yankees, which they won. Uh, I'm with you. I'm going with Tampa Bay. It's going to be a a six to seven game series. Uh, It shouldn't be a surprise who will come out on top as far as uh, the American League Championship Series is concerned. I'm going with Tampa Bay because they took down the, the, the Dragon in the New York Yankees. They were picked by many people to make the World Series this year. That didn't happen. They defeated Garrett Cole, I believe, twice in that division series. Of course, they were facing another dragon, the Houston Astros. And so it's going to be a fun and long series. I got Tampa Bay in seven. Now, on the NL side, I believe I picked the Dodgers in six. Like you mentioned, the, the Braves have a hell of a lineup. They did learn their lesson from being defeated against the St. Louis Cardinals in last year's NLDS. So the, the Braves are taking the next step. They're going to give everything they have to the Dodgers. I know the Dodgers and the closer Kelly Jansen, he's not going to pitch anytime soon. So hopefully the Dodgers will get their bullpen situation straight up. If they don't, Atlanta will take advantage of it. If they do, this could be a shorter series than what people anticipated. But I still expect the Dodgers to win this series. They had the overall better talent in terms of experience. So like you said, Lamont, Mookie Best has to show up. Justin Turner has to show up as well, along with Cody Bellinger. He showed up with the glove in the series against San Diego. Now let's see if you can do it with the bat in this series against the Braves. Yeah, like you, like I've been saying, I think having Mookie Betts there, I think makes a difference for the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will win in six or seven. 
I think Atlanta could push it, can win a couple of games. As for the AL, I, I mean, look, I had the Yankees going, so it really doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'll, I'll pick the Rays just because I don't want the Astros to win. But I think if you're, but I think if you're the, but I think if you're Fox, I think you want the Astros so you can get that rematch because he couldn't get the Yankees. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, look, I, you know, Fox wanted the Yankees and the Dodgers, so that's not happening. So the next best thing for them will probably be the Dodgers and the Astros just because of the rematch. Look, look how much money went into trying to make the Dodgers and the Yankees make it. So you see what I'm I mean, like, New York, they could have built another bridge with all the money they spent to try to get them there. So they, 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 you know, that's, that's interesting when they don't make it. I mean, I wonder what those immediate meetings are like when they don't make it and they have to go back that next day to that meeting. Like, okay, so what we went wrong and how many more million we got to spend now? Who we got to go get now? We went and got the best picture. What we got? Who we got to go get now? How much more money y'all need? So, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall doing those conversations. They need pitching too. That's what killed them in the end was the pitching. That that was their problem. That was their problem in the end. The pitching. So and that was good. <laughs> but so they because they can't go get no more, more. They can't get no more bets. I mean, where they gonna put another bet if they go get another bet? So you have to go get some pitching, but then that's, you know, where. <laughs> so, but they'll find a way. Yeah, they're the Yankees. They'll find a way, and they'll go get something. Bidger, see what they do there. All right. Um, off to the college football gridiron. Um, excuse me. Uh, Clemson, I think they're showing you why they're the number one team in the country. Uh, they beat Miami pretty handily. And, um, uh. yeah, I, look, since I, since I warned you, I said, look. <laughs> like I said, I warned you. Clemson's on a mission this on a mission this year. And, look, Travis Antienne, 149 rushing yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he just showed you why he's really, really fast. And, um, Trevor, yeah. Lawrence, look, Trevor Lawrence did his thing too. He had a rushing touchdown as well as three passing touchdowns. So, look, hey, I, I, I can't, I don't know what more I can say to you about Clemson. That they ready, that they showed up, and that if they play Alabama tomorrow, they probably would beat Alabama also. So, I, I, I mean, but my, I mean, Saturday was a rough one, man. Did you see us go down to Missouri after they moved us out of Louisiana for that game, by the way? He's talking about LSU. And get embarrassed about Missouri. I mean, Coach was like, the defense, you know he talked real funny. He was like, the defense is embarrassing. He said, it's embarrassing. They can't stop nothing. They can't stop nobody. And it can't happen no more. Sherman, we can't stop nobody. America needs football. <laughs> But look, I mean, you, you got to give Missouri their props. I mean, they forced three turnovers. That's a big win for them. Look, they weren't expecting to have to, to host that game, but I don't know what the crowd situation is down there. But, but they beat them. Look, they yeah, I mean, look, Elia, I, I, I got to make sure I get his drink with, so I think that's how you say his name. That's a big win for him. It's a big win for that program. So you got, you got to give him props. I mean, he just got there last December. So he's been able – look, we can beat the defending national champions no matter what the circumstances. 
That's always a good thing. And while we talking about the defending national champions, that gentleman that threw for 600 yards against him got benched. <laughs> they benched him halfway through the game because he can't seem to throw nothing but interceptions since that game. So uh, he got benched in their game halfway through for, a, 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 for a, I think, a true freshman, then took his place. And uh, that, that, was, that was another interesting fact I watched. But that, what you think about uh, the SEC having the game with the most points ever? I mean, I don't want to hear anybody's. I don't want to hear anyone of the SEC say anything about the Big 12's lack of defense that, ever again. Well, that's just one week. <laughs> the Big 12 do it six games a week. You know, that was just one game that seemed to get out of hand. But it had to get out of hand because they came to beat them boys. They was trying to beat them boys. You heard what uh, what the coach said that it seemed like he had a copy of their playbook because everything they ran, he was matching it. So they came to beat them boys. So that I was I, that was a great game, actually. I actually had fun watching that game. But other than that, go ahead, Sid. Yeah, you're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGinn and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown as we talk college football reviewing week five action from over the weekend. Uh, Lakina, I want to get back to your uh, point about the Clemson-Miami game. Miami was actually in it at halftime. They got the block field goal, and they returned it for a touchdown. They got the ball back to start the second half. I know people said that Miami has a quarterback. Well, he didn't play like it. Give credit to, to the Tigers' defense, but uh, Miami's quarterback did not play well. He threw an interception deep in, uh, going into the red zone. And if, they, if he didn't do that and they would have put a touchdown on the board, they would have been in the game. Maybe who knows how that game would have turned out. But Miami didn't have a, a, a great game. They were dominating that first, uh, dominated in that first half until they blocked field goal. So Clemson had two kicks blocked, and you still couldn't take advantage. Um, of course, you didn't. Uh, in the case of Miami, you did not deserve to win that game. And going back to the SEC, uh, checking out the Alabama Ole Miss game, I was watching that between that and the Clemson game. Alabama came through at the end like they always do, beating Ole Miss 63-48. to Mac Jones uh, had a great game at the end with 417 yards and two touchdown passes. And, of course, that running back from Ole Miss, I forgot his name, but he had a great game with two touchdown, rushing touchdowns early. I thought Ole Miss was going to do it, but uh, Alabama's defense is not good, but they got away with it at, at the end uh, in the shootout down there at Ole Miss. Yeah, they, I mean that was that was that was another good game, and then um, mm -hmm. as I told y'all, Notre Dame wasn't gonna have no problem with Florida State. Florida and, State gave them a scare early, though. Yes, yeah, I mean kind of like the Clemson Miami situation. Early, it was a scare, but overall, mm -hmm. you know, more talent showed up, and that's what I think is happening with a lot of these college games. They're tight up front early, and late, the better team seems to pull away in all of these games. And what about that Texas Oklahoma situation? What four? It's a classic. That's what I'm saying. That was man. That's the game they wanted. That's the game that they needed for college football. So that was that was good. I'm looking forward to see where Notre Dame ends up in these next rankings. They should move up to three at least, possibly. But we'll see where that happens. So, and um, what other games did I watch? Well, about the Auburn-Arkansas uh, game, I did catch the end of that live. Uh, uh, Arkansas was almost there for the upset, but Auburn pulled it out with the last-second field goal. 
that's the that's the other one I was gonna tell you about that that I was watching. That I was rooting for Arkansas because every game Arkansas has been in this year, they've been in the game the, the entire game. Arkansas has played real tough this season, and I think going forward they're gonna get a couple of people and knock a couple. They're gonna knock somebody out again before the season is over. So I, I, I'm, I'm gonna keep my eye on Arkansas definitely. That's They're one and two right now, one and two in the SEC. That, that Florida, that uh, that Florida A&M. I mean, Florida was up, they like what ten or twelve points, and they weren't able to pull it out. Look, a nice win for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, Kellen Mond, you know, three touchdowns, and you know, Eliza Spitter, Spiller, I should say, he had two touchdowns as well. I mean, they sort of this could be one of those losses where you're, if you're Florida, you're gonna look at this like you're you're gonna like oh you're gonna have to tear your hair off because they they gave away that defense gave up too many. Um, uh, scoring drives late, so that that's a game that they should have won. But you know, look, especially in in this year, I mean, weird things happen, and that's you know, a, but a good window for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. The Texas Oklahoma game that was just strange <laughs> through and through. Both their kickers missed that they both had a chances to score, and I think Oklahoma kicker had his chance to put the game away. That didn't happen, so they had to you know, have a touchdown and a two-pointer and the defense for Oklahoma stopped them. And that was a much-needed win for their morale because there were yeah. people sitting down in the Norman, like, asking for uh, Licky Riley's head. So, yes, they Yeah, so uh, that was a nice morale boost win for them. Georgia, I think Georgia – Georgia's showing you why that they might be the favorite in the SEC East. Yeah. You know, the, the defense was able to slow the balls down and – Look, they were able to kind of, you know, put put you know Georgia, Tennessee away, I should say. So Georgia looked really good. Yeah, Tennessee didn't show up all the way. And what about North Carolina uh, hanging on against Virginia Tech, 56, 56 to forty-five? Uh, another high-scoring game there. Lakina said that was going to be a good game. I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I remember uh, on Friday's show, Lakita had mentioned that that was going to be a good game. Which is weird because I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, so which was so, I just saw the highlights of it. But North, look, North Carolina too looked really good too. I mean, um, they have a great running back talent, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. You know, they had like oh, all, over 400 rushing yards and four touchdowns combined. So they, they looked really good. Uh, they looked really good, and look, Mac Brown's got those guys playing well. And if should they win the Atlantic, they could probably be right there to face Clemson for this for the ACC title game. Again, they have to go probably go, one would go through Notre Dame first, but they looked really good. I, I I like that Tar Heels team; they're very well balanced. And look, look, we also we know Mac Brown can win it, so that, yeah. they looked really good. Long and what about Iowa State? They took care of um, they they took care of um, Tech. Texas Tech thirty-one and fifteen. Ah, Matt Campbell, he's like one of those guys that look look Brock Brock Purdy. I mean, look, he made some mistakes, you know, a couple of games ago when they lost to Arkansas State. But the good news is that they were able to look. He's been able to kind of right the ship. You know, their defense looks really good. They were able to kind of tame that offensive tack, which is always. Which you know, can score, so not not you know not not too not too surprised by that by that score. I mean, you know, look the the Cyclones are right there for the Big Twelve, you know, winning it all there. So I think they're like near the top. I think they're in first place or tied for first place at least. So 
I'm not surprised. People people are actually picking them to win it, so. Yeah. And interestingly enough, though, the OK State-Baylor game was actually postponed. It was supposed to have been this Saturday, but because I guess they were, excuse me, had some issues with COVID over there in Waco at Baylor, so they had to reschedule to December, which actually is going to be right before the Big 12 championship. So that's that's a, a nice little um, – that's a hiccup there, so we'll see what happens there. It's going to be interesting, though, when the Big Ten starts their play in a couple of weeks, because that's going to be, uh, yeah, that's going to be when everything starts, too. Yeah, because that's what everybody was saying. It was like, <clears throat> when Ohio State jumps in, where do they place them? Where do they go? Do they throw Michigan out there? Because, see, a lot of these schools don't get ranked immediately because of their name until they play someone. So I look at the first week of that as it's going to be just wide open, so to speak, until they play somebody and they see how bad some of these teams really still are. And until then, I think they're going to just give them name recognition, just like they're going to end up doing, I think, when they got to pick those teams for the finals and that final four playoff situation, they're going to be going with the eye test, so to speak, and it's going to be an interesting eye test. I think maybe they should bring in some more people to vote on something instead of giving it to the committee. I think you bring up an interesting point, Lamont. And also, too, let's not forget the Pac-12. I think they start in November with a seven-game schedule. So uh, for the Pac-12 to start this late, uh, assuming that a, a team or two goes on the field and has a tremendous record, first of all, do they even qualify to be in that college football playoff? playoff in, in number two, basically just will they qualify, have enough wins to qualify for the college football players playoffs since they started late in the season. At least with the Big Ten, they started in late October, and they'll have some time. The, the Pac-12 won't have it, will, have, will not have any time. Yeah, I think it's going to be like a seven-game cutoff or something they're going to be trying yeah, to Yeah, for the Pac-12, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking like the people that's going to be picking those teams for the uh, playoff uh, committee or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be working with like a seven-game cutoff. That way they can include everyone in the seven game. They will pick seven games from each player or each team, so to speak, and see where that goes, which is weird. But, you know, if that puts the best teams, quote-unquote, in there, I think this would have been the perfect year to expand the college playoff, even if you didn't keep it. You could have expanded it, but we'll just see. Uh, yeah, they, they could have, but they didn't because of their stubbornness. And, look, if you want to put a team that has the an asterisk, you could probably maybe whoever wins it, unless, unless it ends up being Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, somebody like that. Ironically, Alabama Ooh. played Georgia just well, – but we'll talk more about that on Friday, but – yeah, this was their op – look, we talked about it for months. I mean, this was an opportunity for them to expand the playoff, you know, just for this year to kind of test it out. But, you know, now look what happens. So, now it's going to be interesting. Um, quick shout-out to – shout-out to Rafael Nadal winning his 13th French Open, his 20th Grand Slam title overall. I mean, the king of clay. He's a king of clay for a reason. Yeah. He got clay in his backyard. Like, <laughs> he actually does, actually. <laughs> he does, actually, oddly enough. But, uh, yeah. That's so. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He probably has a practice clay court at home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the, the man's a can of clay for a reason. 
just dominated, didn't even drop a set. So a shout out to him. And also, shout out to the 19 year old women champion, Iga Swatik from Poland. She wins her first title, the first, first title ever to someone from Poland, male or female. So we'll see what this does to Polish tennis. I mean, she, I remember her saying that she actually started playing because of Serena. Her game's very similar yeah. to Serena. So, you know, maybe this will, this, yeah. maybe she can help sort of, you know, start off the Polish tennis, tennis trend down up in Poland where she's from. But isn't that interesting, though? You got people who she has to play against now that said that they started playing because of her or they're inspired by her and they're playing against her. That's kind of what a lot of these players were going through with the Lakers uh, and with LeBron. You know, they looked up to him and they idolized him, and now they're playing with him and for him. And so I think that's got to be a weird feeling for the older person, in a sense. And I can remember even with that Lakers thing, Rondo telling uh, LeBron some stuff about, you know, they look up to you. They don't just, they're not just your teammate. They look up to you. So, I mean, you know, that got to be something weird when you have young tennis players who say you're this and you're that, and now you're looking across from them. So, yeah, so <laughs> definitely weird there. But congrats to both Rafa and Ida. She, you know, both were deserving champions and, you know, for different reasons. You know, her first and her first for her home country of Poland. And, you know, Nadal, you know, adds his legendary status too with his 20th Grand Slam and 13th French Open, the most ever by anybody in the Open era at one Grand Slam, so pretty cool. All right, anything else before we disperse? Yes. Uh, Yeah, real quick, quick, Lakina. Um, Stan Bowman, uh, as we talk hockey for a few seconds, uh, I know he traded Brandon Sato over the weekend to the division rival Colorado Avalanche. I know Taves, Kane, and Seabrook and Duncan Keith are all mad at him, according to Mark Glasswitz of the Athletic, who's the Blackhawks insider over there. Uh, things might not look good for 2021, but let's see how that situation plays out. And congrats to now former Blackhawk goalie Corey Crawford. He signed a two-year deal to play yeah, in that for the New Jersey Devils. Yep, yep. Oh, gosh. We were, we were, I was conversing with our buddy uh, Rachel Kopchak, who does the Hockey Lady podcast. She said she has no clue what the Hawks are doing. I, like, I, I don't think they know what they're doing either, so... We'll see they what just, they do. They take stuff and throwing it on the wall and seeing what stick. They, you, they really, yeah. They, yeah. But what were you going to say, Lamont? I was saying, uh, if they don't hurry up and get Joe Burrow some help on that line in Cincinnati, yeah. he's going to get hurt. That, they, they, that man took so many hits. Yep. So many hits. I mean, he will not be around to be a franchise quarterback if you don't either start changing up the plays you calling or something because he's going to get hurt this year. God forbid, real bad. But they hitting that man too many times and too hard. Seven, I mean, yeah, seven sacks for that uh, that Ravens defense yesterday. So, yeah, they were basically throwing around like a rag doll. Wait till they got to play Pittsburgh. Well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that, that could get dangerous Young man, and I mean, yeah, that that can get ugly, man. And and if they don't hurry up and do something about that, that that's that can get dangerous. <sighs> All right. Uh, on that note, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter at Keenan McGee on the Instagram. 
And you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. You can follow yours truly, Sid Sid the Kid, on on Instagram and Twitter at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow this show, Second City Sports, along with other programming from We Are Rico Radio slash War Media on War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to search for War on Anchor. We also on iHeartRadio. Please, please, please download that iHeartRadio app. When you do, type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube. Type in your search engine box on YouTube, War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. You can watch this lovely program along with the other programming from We Are Regal Radio on YouTube. All right. So enjoy the games, everybody. You got the LCS playoffs in full LSCS um, series in full swing both the NL and the AL. You got a couple of, you know, you know, Monday night and also some Tuesday football coming up tomorrow night and some other stuff too. So a lot, I got a feeling we're going to be talking about a lot of other stuff too this coming Friday, guys. I'm, I'm just going on a limb here. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep. So for the guys, I'm Lakina. Be safe out there. This is XT Sports Zoom style. Zoom. Till next time, holla. All right. <laughs>